0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height. I am going to be filling in today for Ed, who's out on assignment. And uh, <laughs> I'll actually admit to you, uh, I'm the backup plan today. We uh, had a great show planned. Ed is out on assignment Uh Bouncing around the country, and uh, he actually has already done an interview here uh, with Mr. Mike Davis. That's coming up, and uh, actually I want to talk about that in just a sec. Uh, And then he sent in the what you need to know for today, but we had a problem with the file. So I have heard most of it, and I'm going to get it here uh, in a clear format to you and transmit what, uh, what Ed wanted you to hear today and what you need to know. But first, before we get any farther, let me go ahead and remind you, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. There you will find the podcast from today. You'll find standalone segments. You'll find all the goodies, all of the links, all the articles, all the books, the authors, everyone that we talk to. Not only is the audio hosted there at ProAmericaReport.com, but the resources and the links to everything are there. And that is also where you can sign up up for the wink email, the daily email that'll come into your inbox. 7 a.m. Central, uh, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. That thing will bounce into your inbox. Very short, just a few links, about six links. Uh, a tweet that you'll want to see, or an X, a Z, Z, G. X? What are we going to call it? What are we calling it, Elon? Are we Xing now? Also, a little tidbit of what you need to know. It is well worth your time. Out of the host of morning emails going around out there that try to break things down, it'll be fast, and I promise that you will benefit from it. I know I do every morning, but ProAmericaReport.com. Head over there. And then, like I said, we have a great interview today. Actually, a two-parter, Mr. Mike Davis, stayed on the line with Ed uh, for two segments today, because there is so much going on, and it's this topic that we're about to cover here in the What You Need to Know in the Wink uh, that uh, Mike stayed on with us and had a great conversation. He is just an excellent uh, source of knowledge and an excellent communicator for so many of the Ridiculous things that go on in the swamp Man, Mike Davis can provide Some incredible clarity Before we get to that wonderful uh, two-parter The wonderful two-part interview with Mike Davis Let's uh, let's hop here into the what you need to know Let's open it up, let's set the scene uh, Paint the picture, and again This is something that Ed uh, wanted you to know about today So I am just the messenger uh, Not the originator for today But it's an incredibly important one It is a lesson in swamp corruption That's what you need to know uh, There is the usual ways that we see the swamp uh, sell out, or we see the swamp, I should say, not sell out, we see someone sell out to the swamp, and we see how the payout comes back to them. Uh, often the way that you would see this, the old-fashioned way, we see it a lot uh, with the Obamas, with the Clintons, even with uh, George W., uh, you've got uh, massive payments for a book. And think about it here. You, you know, you, you you and I aren't authors per se. Ed is. Ed is a New York Times best selling author, so he knows how it goes. He comes with some credibility. But uh, you and I both know when you see these massive multi million dollar uh, down payments toward an author or or a buy in on a book that's a lot of books I mean that's a lot of books to have to sell to make up those millions and millions of dollars you have to sell lots of copies so these these massive multi-million dollar payments uh, book deals book signings that people do signing on with a publisher not not signing a book at, a, at an event for people when you see these payments you really recognize this is a, a way to transfer huge payments from these publishers which of course that's a nebulous you know it's all business uh, it's not reported like the Federal Elections Commission but you see these huge payments transfer from uh, publishers to a big important political figure who's writing a book. Man, that that is th- that ought to send up the radar for any of us because that's just not really feasible. That is that's what we would call probably a loss leader for business. Are they going to make that much money back on the book? Nope. But there's another reason why it's important for them to give that much uh, that much in the way of millions of dollars over to some important political figure. So whether it's uh, you know. The Obamas, after they get out of office, whether it's uh, toward uh, Hillary Clinton before she runs for office or as, as she is running, you know, 2015, her book deal. She is the expectant Democrat nominee, and everyone expected at that point, I say everyone, the mainstream media and sources, expected at that point her to be the next president of the United States. This is kind of the old school way. Speaking tours to, man, there's another old school way, and the Clinton Foundation really perfected that. Just hundreds of thousands of dollars, even millions of dollars a pop for these speaking uh, segments at, at campuses and events around the country, around the world, really. This is a, an old school way. You see the transfer of wealth, big payments uh, from powerful entities to powerful public figures. This, this is the old school way that we sell out to the swamp. But what we are witnessing now in the very aptly named, in our opinion, Biden crime family is just it is a whole new level of of corruption, a whole new level of selling out to the swamp, uh, a whole new web of connections. And I know that we we talk about this. There are a lot of people out there who are talking about it, especially people like uh, James Comer, the Oversight Committee. I know the Judicial uh, Committee as well, or Judiciary Committee as well in the House. There are a lot of important people talking about this. But no matter how much the fake news the left wing media screams about how there's nothing here it's all a conspiracy it's being made up it just it doesn't even pass the smell test the corrupt payments and the money and the and the schemes that go on surrounding the Biden crime family. So you and I need to be aware of what these details really are, because it's important that we transmit that information to the American public. They need to know, especially because it is coming up on the ballot again. They need to know the truth about what's happening. So just l- let's put a few things together here. I know this, these are things that we have talked about uh, over time. Ed's talked about and some of the what you need to know is and some of our winks. But we, we need to draw it all together here and kind of connect the dots so from this old school world of book deals and speaking tours and all of these ways to transmit payments what we have seen with the bidens so is sure you know joe biden left the the office of vice president he gets a book deal but now His family, his kids are bringing in millions and millions, tens of millions and tens of millions of dollars for the family. Their names are involved in so many things, whether it's a deal like Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma uh, over in Ukraine making, you know, millions of dollars for what? What what? What was he actually doing? Except His last name, who he is on their documents, and then who he gives them access to, you you know, the big guy, Uh, need I say more, the big guy getting his cut. Um, You know, you've paid to have the ear and the attention of the son of the former vice president, uh, now president of the United States. Uh, that that doesn't pass the smell test for me. That is a corruption no-no. And yet this is now the way the swamp is doing business. Or you see these others, um, um, other, you know, the Biden kids who they've got their names on, uh, whether it's lobbying firms or law firms, different things you look at it and you see you've got this name on a, on a le- piece of letterhead, on a piece of paper. But what are they really doing? Well, nothing, but but our money to pay these folks to be on board is very well spent because it earns us a connection, it earns us influence into their father's office, the Oval Office, the White House, you and me, the, the people's house, this, this room, this position, this commander-in-chief who ought to be accountable to us alone— is being bought and paid for by the influence of others through his children, through a family network of taking money, paying for influence. Or I I should say accepting gifts for influence, accepting paychecks for influence. It's absolutely astonishing. I mean, this is such an influence-peddling operation. I, I mean... We have never seen the likes of anything like this. And, and it's really incredible to note this shift. Again, we, we talked about this, the old school. You know, you see a book deal. You see speaking tours. We're used to seeing these things. But what we're watching now, this is just so blatantly in-your-face uh, corrupt. Things that are... are. Um, well, what's the word? It's 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 not just that that we've lost the accountability, but the, the conflicts of interest. There's there's the real key phrase: the conflict of interest. I mean, the potential conflict of interest, but the, the reality, the conflict of interest, is just a monumental uh, elephant in the room. And yet, the media continues to scream and yell: "Nothing here, nothing here. Ignore the smoke. There's no fire." And that is not how public office works. That is not how our representative republic works. That's not how the democratic process of accountability and elections in America works, how the rule of law works. That is not how any of this works. And you and I need to be incredibly on top of what's happening, need to be understanding. uh, And we need to be asking ourselves, is this really a big deal? Yes, it is. This is the biggest of deals when we cannot trust the judgment Or the uh, decision making of our own commander in chief of the person, supposedly the leader of the free Western world. That is a complication that we must handle, that must be dealt with. It must be voted out. It must be uh, taken care of. That cannot stand. We may not allow that. Uh, or we have lost our republic we've lost our freedom we've lost liberty itself it is all gone this experiment is over Uh, we cannot let the accountability that we have with that office be erased for dollar signs because of a pay-to-play pay-to-influence scheme Uh, and the media wants to brainwash us and and whip the public into a frenzy about donald trump's documents man it's nothing that's not even on the radar compared to uh, compared to this pay-for-influence corruption scandal happening now in the white house that's what you need to know. This is a true lesson in swamp corruption, and you and I need to know about it, and we need to grab a hold of it as we're marching into the 2024 election cycle so that we can let our friends and family and co-workers know what's really going on. Come on back. Uh, after the break, we're going to get into it all. We're going to get into the, uh, the nitty-gritty uh, details of the DOJ's weaponization of, of this uh, pay-to-play scheme in the White House and of all kinds of other things with Mike Davis. You're not going to want to miss it, uh, and we will have it right here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, checking in with our old friend Mike Davis and see what Mike Davis is up to. Mike Davis, of course, is the founder of the Article 3 Project and uh, has practiced law in uh, at the highest levels of private practice out in denver colorado where he hails from and spends part of his time now and then also uh, worked in the judiciary committee uh with uh our old friend senator chuck grassley and uh, he worked uh, in the executive branch helping to uh get folks uh confirmed and he also clerked for uh justice gorsuch uh, mike davis welcome back uh article three project how, how because i don't want to leave that go um and i don't want to miss it how many judges is joe biden getting through He's still getting
3: it through a lot right Yeah, he's getting through judges at a record pace. It seems like we broke every piece of China in the Senate when I worked for then-chairman Chuck Grassley on the Senate Judiciary Committee to confirm President Trump's judicial nominees, and now President Biden is taking advantage of this to confirm his own judges at a record pace. And, Ed, that's why this 2024 is so critically important. you want a Republican president or a democrat president replacing conservative justices on the supreme court and that is the crucial crucial question for 2024
2: the um when you say he's confirming a record number um to be clear for folks we're talking about district court and court of appeals right i think uh, for a while biden was getting more uh president biden was getting more uh district court trial court judges and now he's getting some court of appeals i mean it's really extraordinary nobody's really saying much about it but it's a big deal
3: now he's getting quite a few courts of appeals he's confirmed 36 uh judges so far to the critically important federal courts of appeals with four more in the pipeline. So 40 circuit judges, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court, plus over a hundred, like 103 district court judges confirms with another probably 40 in the pipeline there. Plus, there's the Court of International Trade, Court of Federal Claims, or other specialty courts. Uh, President Biden is doing an outstanding job with Senate Democrats and confirming radical judges at every level, level of the federal judiciary. And that's why elections are so important, both for the presidency and for the Senate races.
2: Uh, Mike Davis, our guest, he's the founder and the head of the Article 3 Project. All right, let's talk up for a second. You've been one of the, uh, I'd say, the quickest and most articulate commentators it's one a lot of people are quick and they don't nearly know what they're saying but quick and articulate on some of these actions that have happened in the last uh, couple of weeks especially um one i I, and it was marjorie taylor green i think you retweeted her but um over the weekend last weekend the department of justice was working Saturday and Sunday to send letters to to Devin Archer to say, you know, you got to go to jail and go to jail soon. And she, she tweeted something like, you know, uh, busy weekend or whatever. These are like these blatant moments where you really see that the, the Department of Justice is targeting. I mean, they really are
3: targeting the politics. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, the, the Biden uh, Justice Department is filled with Democrat activists, including these U.S. attorney slots. Damian Williams is the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And for for his office to send a letter to Devin Archer on a Saturday when they know that Devin Archer is going to be providing testimony in a sworn deposition on Monday to Congress, that's getting pretty close to obstructing a a congressional proceeding, obstruction of justice. I I, I think they were trying to intimidate him. I'm not quite sure. Why they would send a letter on a Saturday when they know he's testifying before Congress on on Monday? But it sounds like this would be a good uh, a, a good time for House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan to uh, maybe fire off letters, issue subpoenas to Damian Williams in the Southern District of New York, along with his boss Lee Monaco, the Deputy Attorney General, the number two in the Justice Department, and haul them in before Congress, haul them in before the House. Judiciary Committee and just ask them what their what their what their timing was all about here.
2: Um, Mike Davis, our, our friend uh, and a political uh, a legal commentator more than anything because of his background. Um, you also commented on. Uh, and I've talked and written about the um the Mar-a-Lago, the so-called document cases and um the the superseding indictment that was dramatically dropped last week, which seems to have like some kind of hearsay, some kind of he might have said something about something kind of allegation. Doesn't look very substantive. What's the state of how do you describe that, Mike, to someone when you fly back and forth uh, you know across the country and you end up sitting next to somebody, you, you, you describe to them what that case is
3: actually about this is lawfare by democrats by the biden justice department this lawfare started when matthew colangelo went from the biden justice department in the number three's office to the manhattan da's office the soros funded manhattan da alvin bragg and they resurrected this zombie case against president trump for the non-crime of a businessman settling nuisance claims the federal election commission the prior Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg himself, uh, the uh, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney, all passed on these prior uh, when they looked at these prior allegations against Trump. And it wasn't until Matthew Colangelo got sent from the Biden Justice Department did they bring this unprecedented indictment against a former president up in Manhattan. The second part of this lawfare is Jack Smith. He's uh, looking at he's he's indicted Trump for the non crime of a former president. Having his presidential records, which is allowed by the Presidential Records Act, that's why Congress gives former presidents the office of the former president with Secret Service protection, very secure offices, office space, so they can look at their presidential records, including presidential records that are classified. That's part of the Presidential Records Act. This second component of Jack Smith's investigation overlaps with this other Democrat's DA out in Fulton County, Georgia, this Fannie Willis, they're looking at Trump for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election. That is specifically allowed. uh, You're specifically allowed to object to presidential elections under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. You're also allowed to twist arms politically under the First Amendment. It's only a crime to object to presidential elections in third world marks as hell holes. And if it were a crime, Democrats would be in jail for objecting to Republican wins in 1968, 2000, 2004, and 2016. Democrats are worried, rightfully so, if you look at the polling, that President Trump is going to win back the White House in November of 2024. So what they are doing now is pursuing lawfare. This superseding indictment, remember Jack Smith said he had to have this trial within Six months or whatever it was, he he had to rush to have this trial immediately. What did he not know about this evidence before that he went to uh, Judge Cannon that said he needed to have this expedited trial? Now there's no chance that they can have this trial before the November 2024 presidential election because they're adding. They're adding defendants and adding claims. and adding Well, that's
2: that's claims. Mike, as a practical matter, nobody said that as a practical matter, though, the addition, the supersiding and superseding indictment guarantees that this that case can't go to trial on schedule because you have to allow the new defendant to get a lawyer right to respond. And then you have to have everybody else a chance to respond. I mean, it's it, it, I mean, it, nobody said that it, it guarantees that it kicks past the election, right?
3: And maybe that's what they want. They want this just to be uh, election defense, which is pretty clear why they're doing this. How do you charge President Trump for having his presidential records in Mar-a-Lago and not charge President Biden for having five stashes of stolen classified records, stolen from the Obama <laughs> White House and, and even stolen from the United States Senate, moved several times, unguarded for over two and a half years, That that uh, that former president, vice president, Vice President Joe Biden didn't have secret service protection accessible by the Biden's Chinese agent and almost certainly used by Hunter Biden to secure millions of dollars and foreign bribes and other corruption for the for the Biden family. How do you not do anything about that? but then you send this Jack Smith, this heat seeking missile Scud missile, as I call him, to go after Trump for the non crime of having his presidential records and then charge him. With obstruction and conspiracy because he got into a fight with Biden's librarians and other bureaucrats over presidential records he's allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act. This well- is
2: Sure. Yeah, well, and and we're talking Mike Davis, and actually, in one of your tweets, you commented. You said, uh, um, "You know, uh, President Bill Clinton uh, he did hours, hundreds of hours of of interviews with a journalist, um, and then the journal, and then hid the hid the uh, all and all kinds of topics, and hid the hid the tapes in his sock drawer, and uh, and and wasn't charged for it. I mean, it, 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 but the, but the the reality is hypocrisy. You know, the double standard is not at all a distinguishing characteristic at this point at all. Uh, let me take a quick break, and I'll come back. I want to come back and. Continue Continue to talk with uh, Mike Davis. Uh, we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in one moment. All right, welcome back, everybody. Talking to Mike Davis of of the uh, Article 3 project. Mike, a slightly different attack. I want to ask you about two things. One, um, are there other people that actually could object legally to what's happening in terms of election interference. And when I say people, I don't mean people, I mean uh uh candidates. Let's say that you were the U.S. Senate candidate. You were the U.S. Senate candidate in 2024 from a state. I don't know, is Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania is up. And you're watching what's happening and you're seeing it absolutely positively uh devastate your chances to be elected because you're watching this election interference at the top of the ticket. Is is that something that anybody could have standing to jump in
3: on? That's a good question, and that's something that these candidates should look at, because this should not just be President Trump alone defending against this lawfare. Sure, he's very wealthy, he's a billionaire, but why the hell should he have to spend $40 million in counting of his own money to defend against these lawfare? He was taking criticism for using PAC money for doing this. The only reason the Democrats are going after Trump is because he's a presidential candidate. If he were just... Billionaire businessman Trump, there's no chance they would be going after him with this with this unprecedented litigation, these unprecedented indictments against President Trump, and so I would say that other candidates should find creative ways to jump in because remember this is a zero sum game. If, right. If the right. Biden Justice Department is on defense. They're not on offense. If House right. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan is issuing subpoenas and making them come in to testify, that is that is less time that the Biden Justice Department can be on offense with their lawfare against their political enemies. And so Republicans need to find creative ways to be on offense. Constantly, it's a well, zero. and and
2: and my and my, my thing on this was that uh, one of the one of the real tricks that they used in, in the media was to say to the public, oh yeah, they yeah they lost sixty five cases. Well, a lot of the cases were lost because nobody had standing at the time. The way the way the system was sort of the way the laws are set up, you didn't have standing. So it's, uh, somebody who does have standing is a federal candidate for office who could go in and say uh, what you're doing, uh, your executive order, your. Whatever. There's lots of ways. All right, Mike, I want to slide to something else that I find interesting. You, I think, tongue in cheek. I don't know if you, I hope you mean it, but I think it's partly tongue in cheek to send your leftist, uh, uh, troll, uh, brethren wild have tweeted things like, Hey, when I'm in office as uh, acting attorney general, I'll only have six weeks or 60 days. Here's what I'm going to do. What's the reality of let's say that it's a Trump administration. And, and now let's pretend you have either a a, a um, r- Democrat majority or very slim. And it's hard to confirm. Can Can you get can can Trump appoint people to do those jobs for long or how does that work?
3: So I I am saying it tongue-in-cheek when I say I'm Uh going to be the acting attorney general. It's not even legally possible for me to be the acting attorney general. It's too bad. Yeah, unfortunately, it would be my three-week reign of terror. (laughs) I would would indict and fire everyone on day one, and then I would run on the FBI jet and just tour the country for the last Uh two weeks and and six days. So it would be a very good three-week reign of terror before I got chased out of town i would demand a pardon ahead of time from trump from <laughs> president before i did this because i would <laughs> right. i would most certainly break break a lot of laws in my three week brain of terror as attorney general acting attorney okay. general but no I, I say that because under there there under federal statute it has to be the acting is generally the person who is the the career person who's next in line or another president appointed senate confirmed official in the government so maybe if you grabbed A Republican, and I'd have to look at and see if this is even possible. Like if you grabbed a Republican commissioner on the Federal Election Commission and make him the acting Attorney General, I think you can do that. I see. But unfortunately, my, my my three week reign of terror as acting Attorney General is only in my imagination.
2: It's uh you know Huey Long Huey Long the former senator from uh Louisiana ran for president and he wrote a a short book on I think it was My First Days in the White House and of course he was killed in the campaign uh he was assassinated in the campaign but it was it was uh that you should write, you should write like a short uh sort of uh, whatever it would be uh, 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 uh to what your reign what your reign would be like sure. We're talking again with Mike Davis the founder of the Article 3 project Mike if all of these cases are just Uh, against trump are just distractions election interference what would happen afterwards i mean if trump wins he can pardon himself and they go away um if he doesn't win
3: are, are do they litigate them i mean what what is what happens here this is a strange world if trump wins he can pardon himself or he can order his acting attorney general to to dismiss the cases with prejudice and as the acting attorney general i would dutifully comply and I would indict President Trump and all of Trump's cronies and put them in prison and give them a taste. You mean Biden? You meant Biden. I'm sorry, Biden. Biden. I'm sorry. I put Biden and all of his cronies in prison. Give them a taste of their own medicine. But no, I mean, this is these these cases are obviously going to have to be resolved by the Supreme Court. These are unprecedented Mm. indictments of a former president and a current presidential candidate. And Jack Smith is used to going to the Supreme Court and getting reversed unanimously like he did uh, when he indicted former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald, the right, right. 2016 Republican presidential candidate, on Jack Smith's bogus theory that was overturned eight to nothing. It would have been nine to nothing, but Justice Scalia passed away. It's hard to get a, a criminal conviction overturned by the Supreme Court. It's nearly impossible to do it unanimously. So Jack Smith takes the cake there. His, his theories will no doubt get overturned by the Supreme Court on under the Presidential Records Act and especially if he tries to indict Trump for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election under some bogus theory of honest services or some other weird theory that that they're going to come up with here's the issue though. the issue though is they don't actually care how this case is resolved as a legal matter several right. years down the road all they want to do is have election interference in 2024 because yeah. they see the polling they see that president trump has a very good shot of getting put back in the white house and that's what this is all about
2: uh Mike Davis is our guest um Mike um sliding over for a second to the Supreme Court of which you're familiar having clerked there for uh, uh, Justice Gorsuch and, and familiar with uh confirmation processes and all uh this this move to try to uh create an ethics a, a legally binding ethics uh program at the Sup- Supreme Court I I don't look at it as a real thing it's more politics but um it did set up this dynamic where uh, Chief, uh Justice Alito said um you know look It's all well and good. You're all talking across the way about that. But we're separate. We've got a separate branch by definition, by the Constitution. We're separate. He uh, in response, some of the Democrats in Congress said, oh, yeah, but we do this and this and this in terms of disclosures. I think I I think the comeback would be, yeah, we kind of were uh, uh, happy to comply with that, but we didn't have to. We don't have to. I mean, what is uh, uh, Talk about that separation, how important it is and how real it is.
3: Well, Congress, so the Supreme Court is an original court under the, the Constitution, and Congress has the power to create and regulate the lower courts, the courts of appeals and the district courts. Congress does not have power to regulate the Supreme Court like that. They And so uh, trying to impose an ethics regime on the Supreme Court is unconstitutional, especially if you have lower court judges trying to grade their bosses right, right right there's not an ethics problem at the supreme court the supreme court put out a statement nine to nothing recently explaining what ethical rules and procedures they use if democrats in the senate are concerned about ethics they should look at uh, across town on the other side of pennsylvania avenue in the biden white house because there's there are plenty of eth- ethics problems at the Biden White House, including tens of millions of dollars in foreign bribes and other corruption. You have a president of the United States who's almost certainly compromised. You have his sleazebag, scummy brother and son trying to uh, sell influence when he was the vice president, and presumably now when he's the president. Democrats don't care about ethics. They Democrats controlled the Supreme Court for 90 years. And now that Democrats have lost control of the Supreme Court, they're trying to make up these ethics Problems, So they can impose this ethics regime to use as a club to beat on conservative justices to get them to cow on cases to get them re- to recuse strategically on key cases to try to change the outcome of these cases. It's not going to work.
2: Mike Davis, as always, thank you for time, especially today. We took a longer, a bit of your time. Thank you very much, Mike Davis. You follow him on Twitter, Article 3 Project. Uh, you can go to Article 3 Project. Is it .com or .org? Remind me. Sorry, or, Mike. Or, 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 .org. org.
3: Article 3 Project.org. And thank you uh, very much, Ed.
2: All right. Mike Davis, everybody. we will. Uh, you want to follow him on Twitter. It's a very lively and energetic feed, but also, like I said, it's fast and it's, uh, it's um, high quality a lot of fast on twitter and uh, not high quality but mike is really high quality and so you can get a real quick take on what you're seeing really quickly especially as much as is happening in the world uh these days so we will take a break and we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment
0: this is the phyllis schlafly report presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of phyllis schlafly now here's the president of phyllis schlafly eagles ed martin
2: The ambush, impeachment, and removal of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was a shocking and undemocratic assault on the will of Texas voters. Paxton won re-election by 800,000 votes last November. Yet merely one legislative chamber of Texas was able to override those votes with a scheme hatched in secret and sprung as a last-minute surprise. Imagine if Congress could force the removal of a president by secretly plotting an impeachment and suddenly executing it a few days later without a single public hearing. The American people wouldn't stand for what the New York Times called unexpected. As of a week ago, there was little public indication that an impeachment could be imminent. Who really plotted this unprecedented theft from voters remains a closely guarded secret. Donald Trump led the way by truthing his opposition. Trump wrote, "Hopefully Republicans in the Texas House will agree that this is a very unfair process that should not be allowed to happen or proceed. I will fight you if it does." While Trump was quick to speak, other so-called conservatives remained silent. Texas House Speaker Dade Phelan, who was elected by pandering to Democrats, quote, "kept this under wraps until the end." There wasn't a lot of time for Paxton defenders to react observed Rice University political scientist Mark Jones. It was obviously improper to deprive the voters of an elected official without first informing the public and hearing from them. As pointed out during the brief debate on the Texas House floor, there was no justification for concealing the plot to remove Paxton from office until shortly prior to the vote. Paxton has been the leader in litigating against open borders and other unlawful policies of the Biden administration. As it turns out, the swamp isn't just found in Washington, D.C. Swampy tactics like those that enabled Ken Paxton's ouster are employed in even the reddest of state houses. Preventing voters from having a voice is not statesmanship. It's cowardice. And the rhinos in the Lone Star State should be treated as such.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I, I got to tell you, this is one of my least favorite stories that I'm about to tell you about. Um, but I have to tell you because it's so haunting and it's so necessary that we know. Um, there is a story that published a day or so ago, earlier this week, um, over at um, Stream the Stream, uh, which is a Christian site, a very good site, very interesting. The title is Planned Parenthood's Depraved Marketing Gimmicks. Uh, and it is written by Elise McHugh. It goes through Planned Parenthood and what their gimmicks are to try to market abortion. Now, here's a couple of things you have to know. Uh, a lot of people are trying to take the steam out of opposition to Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood spends lots of money and lots of marketing dollars saying that they're for health care. But they are a an, an entity that destroys, that kills babies or or promotes abortion. Either way, you can have it. And Planned Parenthood, in its education materials, which they push onto schools, is far left. Uh, take away parents' rights, both to abortion, uh, but also but, but to abortion, but also to transgender surgeries. That's what they want to do. So it, it, they have abortion gift cards that they give out. They've t- done that. They have. Easter egg hunts that have sex toys involved. You can, I'm not even going to say it out loud. They have other fundraisers with sex toys. They have uh, an ice cream truck with uh, how to say contraceptives as part of it. I mean, it's on and on. And here's the thing. They really try to mainstream their efforts and they, I guess they think it's clever and if it's so um, nasty, you won't even notice because it's clever. An ice cream truck that's giving out uh, uh, contraceptives, you're not supposed to notice. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Planned Parenthood receives over 700 million of your tax dollars for America alone. There's other money that goes through uh, to foreign uh, com- countries and foreign efforts that get fed to international Planned Parenthood. But what do they do with the money? It is an abortion uh, operation. Their goal is abortion. Their goal is not to have uh, people be healthy. Their goal is to promote abortion and, importantly, elect people who support them. Now you say, oh, but Ed, it's a, a you know, Planned Parenthood. They don't actually campaign. They don't have to campaign. They don't have to campaign themselves with the money. The, the Planned Parenthood doesn't have to. They, they do have Planned Parenthood action, so they do campaign. But what they do is they create a complete culture that is uh staffed by paid employees so it's one thing to have people who care about uh say an issue let's say let's picture an issue let's say that you you care about uh the exploitation of chinese workers it's one thing to have people who care about that they might write op-eds they might show up places it's another thing if you had an entity created that helped to oppose that that included lots of employees I don't know. Let's, let's pick something. Let's say that we had a university that hired people that got funded to hire people to, to hold that position. Now, a, a more interesting question is when it's funded by people who have the same interest. For example, there'll be times where the unions, teachers unions are funding certain things, for example, and then they demand of the, uh, of the, uh, schools programs, the teachers training programs, the school board associations have, uh, these kind of training programs and they're funded. By the people who are on that side of the aisle, meaning pro teachers unions, and then they demand you to be for them. Sometimes they're clever about just teaching you that, you know, this is the best way, but other times they're blatant. Well, Planned Parenthood is blatant about it. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that go to an organization that by their own admission, and I work with the American Life League a lot, and they have a pro, we have a program called STOP. And STOP actually shows that the money that Planned Parenthood gets goes to all these places and lots of the CEOs of Planned Parenthood make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Back to my point. When you have a CEO of a Planned Parenthood who makes $400,000, that person's going to be a leader in the community. When you have a Planned Parenthood in a certain community that has a $400,000 CEO and then lots of other staff, it's going to be a leader in the community. And the pro-lifers, by the way, are saying the rosary in front of the uh, clinic volunteering. It's this story that ran in life in the stream illustrates – how mainstream Planned Parenthood is trying to become, and frankly, how often they're allowed to do it. if you worked at a big law firm like I did in the late '90s and early 2000s, you were expected to contribute to the uh, to the United Way campaign because the, the the law firm had a goal of making it so that every single person in the law firm contributed 100 percent participation that was their goal except if you said i don't want it to go to united way because they give to planned parenthood they got mad at you and you had to do things to flip around and basically they 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 fixed the uh, uh analysis because i gave my money to the, the church and they were able to say well we had 100 percent participation they somehow they were able to kind of lie about it i don't think they lied but i think they just had a, a game they played my point is planned parenthood makes a lot of money makes a lot of money and it gets a lot of our tax dollars to promote abortion. And their, their behavior is despicable. Their approach is uh, terrible, mean, nasty, terrible. But here's the thing. It's effective. They know what they're doing. They're using their big money effectively. And we have to not shy away from saying Planned Parenthood isn't about health care. It's not a health care clinic. It's an abortion clinic that tries to say they do health care so that they can be treated differently than if I just told you it's an abortion mill. That's all they're doing. It's a big distinction, but what they're doing is trying to get away with it. They want to be the March of Dimes. The March of Dimes was a polio outfit. It was for polio vaccinations and polio prevention and polio treatment in the 1940s and 50s. And they morphed into, like the Red Cross did, they morphed into a generic do-gooder organization, they say. Planned Parenthood wants to be right there. That's what they're trying to do. That's what these stories, that's what these uh, marketing campaigns are. That's why this story is important. So check it out. I'll post it on social media. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our producer, also our associate producer, Ryan Height, and Mason Mohan. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.
0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.